Welcome to the CSCC podcast. In this podcast, you will grow in faith, hope, and love in Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you tune in to the Word of God. Let's close our eyes in prayer. When tomorrow now we come before your holy throne of mercy. We thank you, Father, for the service thus far. Tomorrow now we have seen you, your presence amongst us. We have seen the presence of the Holy Spirit, Mujimwaruna, and we welcome him. As the song says, we're laying our crowns and lives unto you. We receive everything that is of God. We pray, Moya Ohalalelang, this morning, that as we get into the reading of your word, illuminate it, Mujimwaruna. Make it possible that we may see through your word and what the instructions of it are. Help us to open our eyes, our spiritual eyes and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. We thank you, Father, for everyone that is here that is going to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. Amen. Greetings, Banaba uh, Morena, to the leadership, Baruti, and everyone that is here, our visitors, Bumme Buntate, Bahulu Babutle, Banabaruna. Uh, greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We appreciate the time that you have taken to come and fellowship with us here and to hear what the Lord is saying about your life. Not what we are saying, but what the Lord is saying. Open your, your, your ears and your eyes and hear what the Spirit is saying. A number of us might have not been here for the past two, three, four weeks while we were dealing with the issue of the testing and the identity, which these two things are absolutely essential in the Christian life. I'm going to summarize that word into what I am going to give today. Also, looking at what last week uh, Murutimpo was preaching here and was talking about behind the closed scenes. There are certain things that we don't see here, but they happen behind the closed scenes. Certain things that are written in the Bible, as you read them, you can see that there is a deeper meaning. There are things that have happened behind the closings that we may need to understand. The temptation of Jesus that happened, that we spoke about, happened in the desert. Or it started at the desert. It went up to a high mountain. It moved there into the pinnacle of the, of, of the temple in Jerusalem. 
But in summarizing all that, when it happened at the desert, in all the places, the settings where it happened, Jesus quotes the scripture. Remember that during the time of Jesus, there was no other Bible except the Old Testament. The New Testament as we have here, it wasn't there. It was not even written. Any code that has to be done was done from the Old Testament. Now what I, I want to do this morning is to bring these two together. How and why did Jesus quote the Old Testament? Because Christians, we sometimes separate the old and the new as if there is a God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. We have one God. He might have operated in a particular dispensation and move from that dispensation to another dispensation. And that is why we call God the God who instituted the ages. Remember that God is eternal. But the ages came in when he created the universe. When he created man. Then the ages and the dispensation. So God of the Old and the New Testament is the same God. And we do not have any right as the children of God to take out something out of the Bible and say this is old. It has a meaning. It would not appear in the word of God if God was not intending something for us. Now, I have titled the message this morning, A Framework for understanding the Christian journey. But I could have actually said a framework of understanding the spiritual journey. Because many of us are also claiming to be Christian, but not using the spirituality of Christianity. Now this is a journey. Our journey is within a certain framework. I may want to do certain things, but there is a framework. When we are born, we are born within the framework of God. And everything happens within the framework. We're going to read in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that Jesus quoted. Now Moses talks to Israel about what God was doing in their 40 years in the wilderness. It's a, a kind of a reflection. Moses calls the children of Israel together and say, let us reflect, let us look back what happened in the 40 years in the wilderness? 
And I call this a spiritual journey that they walked together with God. While they were in this spiritual journey, there were valuable lessons that they should not forget. Bakraste, when you walk in this life, each step that you take has some valuable lessons. And some of the lessons that you go through, you should not forget. Because they will determine your life. Remember the journey that they were traveling in. It was not for yesterday. When you are traveling in your journey of life, it is not for your yesterday. It is for today and for tomorrow. Why do I say so? Yesterday manifests itself in today and tomorrow. Do you get what I am saying? How your life is today, how it unfolds today, it has an impact of what happened yesterday. So today and tomorrow carries a lot of things that you're coming with from yesterday. Now there are lessons that you have that are valuable that you should carry with and that will assist you that when the manifestation of yesterday happens in your today and tomorrow, you will know how to handle that. Now Moses is about to go home and Israel, it is about to cross over to the promised land. Now what I want us to understand in this sermon, it is this Christian journey, the principle of understanding the Christian journey. There are principles that underlies that and that we need to understand. Now here in Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two, Moses invites Israel to take a stroll with him down the memory lane. You know, I want you to have a picture of that as if when you move into a gallery of arts, when you go around, you see this arts and you are able to identify and talk about some. If some of you have gone to an apartheid museum, if you are there and you are able to go through and around, you scroll around and you are able to see and identify now Moses then speaks while he allows them to do that. In verse two, now he starts to speak to them. They are all there. They are listening. They want to hear what Moses is going to say. And Moses, whatever he is saying here, it is by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
He explains the journey by the inspiration. Some of them could not or were not even able to understand the journey. But through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, some people would then claim that the Holy Spirit was not really at work in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit has been there throughout. Right at the beginning, even as, at creation, it hoovered over. So God has used the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible. Be it old or new. Now here is what Moses is saying. He says, remember. Now, for one to understand these things, if you just read and say, remember how the Lord, your God, led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. You're reading it like that, I don't think you'll get a lot of things there. But different words that are used there uh, have an impact in understanding what God is saying here. Remember. That is the first way. What is to remember? You ask yourself, the do you have the capacity to remember? Now he says to them, remember. Now the power to remember is a wonderful gift of God. They don't remember. Children don't remember sometimes what their parents are going through their lifetime with them. There's a lot at stake because people don't remember. They decide to forget. And I remembered this, this, this man who was crucified with Jesus, one of the, of, of, of the two thieves that was crucified with Jesus. There are words that he said to Jesus that remember me when you get into... He knew that if he could say to this other one, he was going to, to forget. But Jesus would never forget. He would remember anything. Now Moses says to them, there is a power and a gift to remember. Go and remember. There are certain things that you don't have to forget into your life. Otherwise you become an ignorant person. You get into trouble because you don't want to remember. You want to remember only things that you value. There are things that you don't value, but you need to remember. Now Moses says, remember how the Lord your God, he does not just say, remember. He does not say, do you have the capacity to remember? He says, how? You know, when things happen, there is always a how. Now he wants them to remember, and not only to remember the things as they have, but the how part. How are things have been happening into your life? How is very important. Ask Esther. How he approached the king to be able to get in there. 
so that he may be able to talk to him. How he approached. If Esther could have just done anything and went to the king and said that we, we are going to be killed, that would have done. The how part of Esther carries more weight. It might be the right thing to do, but how do you do it? Always ask yourself that. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way. Now it is the Lord who, your God. Who did what, Bagreste? Led you. Now these words, all of them are important. So it is God who did what, Bagreste? And led them away. Where did he lead them to? To the wilderness, to the desert. How From lead them to the desert. But it says that. It is, it is in the scriptures. For these 40 years. Remember. And the first thing that he wants them to remember. On the how, it is how the Lord led them. Your experiences, when you, you remember something, you remember the experiences for the past 40 years. Now he's saying to them, because you were led, this was not a chance of the happen tense of things. They just happened, you know, but they would talk about, it just happened, you know, it just happened. And things do not just happen, Bakreste. They don't just happen. He says, it is not that we here, many of us here, we quote Psalm 37, verse 23, that says, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Yeah, when, when, whatever happens to us, no, the, 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 the steps of a righteous man are ordered. Now, God orders indeed. Our steps are ordered, Bagreste. If I believe that, we, you, you, you remember when we were dealing with Romans chapter 8, where things would work together, I explained that where certain things are hijacked on the way by the enemy, whether we'll work together, but the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Now, God was doing something important by them. Now, Bagreste, what does it actually mean? It means even with us, every time, there is a divine purpose behind it all. Do you agree with me? Or your life has a divine purpose behind everything that happens around you. There is a divine purpose. Whether sometimes we would see it or not see it or agree or disagree with it, but it will work out for good. There is a divine purpose. There was a divine purpose about David's life. 
And he understood it very well. When he penned out Psalm 23, listen to David. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me besides the still water. Who leads David? It's the Lord. So we have the leading of the Lord, Bakreste. The Lord is leading us. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Jeremiah as well acknowledges the leading of the Lord. In Jeremiah 10:23, he says, Oh Lord, I know the way of a man. It is not in himself. A way of a man, it is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Man does not direct his own steps. Now Moses wanted people, these very same people, to recognize the leading of the Lord. But Christa, I want to say to you, please recognize the leading of the Lord into your own personal life. There might be things that you do not understand. There might be things that are far above your own thinking. But recognize the leading of the Lord. The central issue here, it is how God led them. That is a central issue, how God led them. And the way God has led these people is very instructive throughout the instructions. Very strange mixture of difficulty and divine intervention. Somewhere it's very difficult. At the same time, there is a divine intervention that comes. On the way, there is hunger and thirstiness. At the same time, the provision comes in. Verse three tells us that on the other hand, God allowed these people to suffer hunger. And I paused and I asked myself, how God can this be? Leading them into the wilderness, not into a tropical paradise. Because when he took them, he said, I'm taking you out to the land of milk and honey. Now they have come to a dusty and dry desert. There is no abundance of food there. Even if, when you look at it, it becomes even a harder kind of life. Maybe let's bring it more home, more high. And to us as Christians and beyond us here. Have you ever thought 
of this kind of experiences in your life. When you look back and thinking about your own personal life, you ask yourself, what was this all about? I don't know if you have reached that. What was this all about? Why this? Where you travel and there is a cave. When you are driving a car, when you approach a cave, if you don't slow down, you can capsize. You expected one thing and something else happened. When these people, when Moses talked to them, it was like, we did not expect things to happen this way. Now I said to you, Bakreste, Moses then, through the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he explains all that. Why did it happen? Let's rewind. And we go back to where it happened. Because you need to go back sometimes and see how things happened. When they were at the Red Sea, it was a glorious day, a big glorious day, when God parted the Red Sea and led his people out of Egypt. Look at this. In Exodus 15, there is a record there of Pentecostal praise service that followed. It was so nice. We see Miriam holding a tambourine and singing out loud there that I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously so. The horses and its rider has been thrown into the sea. What a day. There was a pending disaster in front of them. But while there was this pending disaster that was going to be brought in by, by the Egyptians, then God opens and it becomes so glorious. A glorious victory comes in. Trapped between Pharaoh and, 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 and the Red Sea. But then God comes through for them. God intervened and parted the Red Sea and destroyed the enemy. And they started seeing happy times are here. I want to ask you a personal question. Have you had a Red Sea experience? When it happened, you rejoiced like Miriam. You took the tambourine and you danced. That happy days are here. They are not going to go anywhere. And you said, all trouble is gone. And I want you to have a sense of emotional state of Israel at the Red Sea. If you could have that sense, you could fully appreciate 
what the text is actually saying. It will bring the perspective. Now, we go back, we jump back to the 40 years. We were at the beginning. We saw how God works. We saw how they dance, happy days are here. And all that and all that, when we have those experiences. Let us look back into our own personal lives and try to understand what God was doing in our journey. Was it your own journey? Were you, were you conducting, navigating your own journey? Or do you agree with me that the steps of the righteous are ordered by God? If they were ordered by God, then it was not your journey. Your journey was navigated by God. Do you get that? Unless if you do not agree that the steps of a righteous are not ordered by God. If they are ordered by God and you believe in the scripture, then your journey, in spite of what has gone through, it was an ordering of God. But the question is, it did not happen exactly the way you thought it would be. And in real essence, it is even different from what you thought. When you watched, maybe literally when they watched, those things happened. Pharaoh's soldiers army into the sea and the tumbling, the singing that came after, it was like everything is going to run smooth and God is going to lead them. Our text again. Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. We pause there and have an understanding there. Where did he lead them? I asked this question first. Where did he lead them, Magreste? Yeah, I your, your quietness or your looking, it says uh, you don't hear me or you don't understand. I don't know what it means. Because if you are here, if I ask, it, it is a straight question. Where did he lead them? In the wilderness. But that you can't say it, that God led them. It is biblical, it says he led them into the wilderness. I, 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 am I making it? No, I don't make it. It is in the Bible here. And when you read verse 15 now, of, of this very same chapter, it says, it describes the wilderness where God has led them. It says, terrible wilderness, in which were fairy serpent and scorpions, and thirsty land, where there was no water. Now, when you read that, in your mind, you say, it sounds more like, Mar, you led them to the devil here. Yeah. To, to this kind of a place. 
they are actually going to get to face to face with the devil. And in your mind, it's like, since God, you could do anything, couldn't you lead them somewhere and make it an easier journey? I bet God can do anything, but Christ. We even sing, my God can do anything. So a question is, how did you take them? Why didn't you make it, you know, bring in some softy softy for them? Create heaven and earth for them. Transform this wilderness into a paradise. When they go in there, because you are, with your word, you can change anything. You made heaven and just with your word, change this wilderness. And make it heaven and earth. Why would a loving God deliver his people from Egypt only to lead them to this terrible wilderness? Bringing it home again and talk about your journey and my journey. Maybe amongst us here. And not only amongst us here. In my personal life that I have lived and walked with the Lord, I have seen people struggling with leukemia. Struggling with cancer. Struggling with bankruptcy. Just to name a few. Some of them, I have sat down with them during their last days of struggling with these things. And they passed on. I have personally, as well, it might have not been at the stage of these people that I know that have struggled with some of these things. I have gone through some wilderness of some sort. I have contended with certain things in my life. And I believe so are you here. There is no one who could not raise his hand and say, I have never contended anything. If there is such a person, I don't know how to justify that. I really don't know. And I asked myself, why is David's journey from the sheepfold, remember that he was coming from the sheepfold, to the throne was filled with a lot of challenges. To many of us, when David was anointed by the prophet Samuel, we could see David tomorrow just to rise from that sheepfold and to get into the throne. But it was never like that. 
Why would God not make Saul to favor him from the beginning and just ushered him into the throne? David had to dodge the spear of Saul and run away. Had to become a fugitive of justice. Had to contend with the Philistine. What is God doing here? I think we need to know that. Because sometimes when you look at this thing, it is like David, after it has happened, he just went into the throne. What is God doing, Bakreste? Maybe these are the wrong questions to ask in the church. But I know some of you have been confronted with the questions in your own personal life. Why does the Apostle Paul had to endure a shipwreck? Why did this man who was preaching the gospel had to be stoned somewhere? Why did the Apostle Paul did go to prison? Most of the letters that we read, they have actually been written from prison. Why did he go there? This man is serving God with everything that he has. If God is all powerful, then these things, they don't have to be. That is a human mind. Now in my mind, why should these things happen? Why could it be? How did Lord you live this? Maybe it is not polite to ask, as I say, to the church, but we all go. When certain things, I have heard Christians, when certain things happen into their lives, they ask, they confront, why God? And somebody may say, maybe they were not supposed to spend 40 years in the wilderness. Indeed, when you read the Bible very clearly so, it says they could have actually taken 11 days from Egypt into Canaan. 11 days. But you say, God, people could have just taken 11 days, now they take 40 years. Why should it happen that way? Now, a question is, if they could have left and went into the land in 11 days, what were they going to do? When you read the Bible here, the first thing that happened when they entered the land, what did they do? They fought with the giants. So that 11 days, I am not sure if they would be ready enough to fight with the giants. That's exactly what happened. So certain things are delayed because we might not be ready to face our giants. They were supposed to face those giants. There was Jericho waiting in front of them. 
And when they fought in Jericho, they won. But the following week, at I, they then, they did not win the battle. Now this we see this, the next generation. So the first generation could have done the same thing. But were they ready? Are you also ready for certain things? To face certain giants into your life. Why did God make it not easy for Joseph and David and Paul? You can name many of the great men of God when they ascended to the throne. They never went in there. Just take the life of Joseph. Why was he sold by his brothers? But at the end he becomes a governor. And right when he was young, before he was 12 years, he had a dream. And the dream actually came to pass. But before that dream came to pass, had to go through the training for what is to happen there. Now, Bagreste, I just want to say to you, there's a lot of training that the Lord is doing. And the more you fight with the training, the more it will delay you. I identify the things that you need to do. 40 years is too much. Allow God not to allow 40 years to be in the desert. The more you contend, it is the more it will become very difficult. There are things that you don't have to contend, you leave them to God. And I believe Joshua and Caleb are one of those people who did not contend. Who believed God even when things were difficult? When they came back from spying, people saw the giants that were there. They saw things in a different way. They said, there are fruits that we need to go and, 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 and eat there. What are you seeing? Are you like Joshua? Are you like Caleb? Are you seeing the greatness of God? Or you are like the Israel, which was the church at that time, contending and saying, we must actually kill Moses. Because one of the things that they did when they came back, they wanted to kill Moses. They rejected the leadership of God. Ask yourself, am I Caleb? Am I Joshua? Or am I somebody who wants to kill Moses? Moses, remember, it is the order, it is the voice of God. So they do not want to listen to the voice of God. Killing does not necessarily the physical killing. They would not do it. God would not allow it. But it is to kill the voice that was speaking. Deuteronomy 8, our text. Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. 
Moses is at the end of his life. He's reviewing the last 40 years. And profoundly so, he answers some of these questions. These questions that I, I am putting them to you, they are answered by Moses. And he says here, verse 2, again, that's our text. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Where is the answer of that? The answer of that, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you in all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Where is the answer of this question? The answer follows. The answer is that to humble you and test you to know what is in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. That is the answer. He gives the answer to all these things to humble you and test you. But rest certain situations that humbles us, where we think they are humbling us, it is to reveal one thing, what is in your heart. The response that you give to any situation, it is a revelation of who you are, what is in your heart. Now God was saying here, he wanted them, so it was not for God, look at it here, it was not even for God. God does not say, to humble you and test you to know what is in your heart. You will know what is in your heart. God knows it already, what is in your heart. But at that time, when you will know what is in your heart. But unfortunately, we lose out that opportunity of reflecting and seeing what is in our heart. Painful experience. I want you to see it very clearly here. You know, the revelation of your own heart, it is more painful than when God reveals something about somebody in your life. But the revelation of your own heart, and sometimes as people, we go after other people, we want to correct them. Look at the revelation of your heart first. And understand what is being revealed in the circumstances that you find yourself in. That is the answer to humble you. And verse 3 says, so he humbled you. It follows, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know. Who should know, Bakreste? You should know. 
You, it might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but this is the verse that is quoted by Jesus. But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of Who should know that? God knows that, that man can, shall not live by bread alone. But you need a revelation yourself to know that I shall not live by bread alone. It is your revelation. Now, I want to focus on the objective of God in your life, as stated in verse 3. So he humbled you. Now, the human experience of a Christian is designed, your human experiences as a Christian is designed, designed to work humility into our own basic character. If as a Christian, from a basic point of view, you have no humility, it is something that needs to be worked in. And why is that important? Humility is important. It is a fundamental character of God. Three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit cannot live in perfect unity where there is no humility. Three persons, they would never live together. Do you know about Baba Nambabot, how much they fight? And you need somebody to be humble in all that. And if humility has not been implanted, fightings can go on and on and on. Because somebody, or maybe the two, or the three, or the four, has decided that, you know what, this is me. As long as there is me, Bagreste, there is no humility. If when I fight and I say me, check that. Am I humble enough? Wherever I am in a situation, be at work or anywhere, the personalization of me doesn't show some humility. Eternity needs humility, Bakreste. Where we are going, and that humility, the character of humility, it has been done here. Before we go to eternity. Pride breaks the unity. God's plan is that we are going to live forever with him in a perfect unity. And that perfect unity, it is designed by humility. If humility has not been worked out in our hearts, It will not work out for us in eternity. When God works things, he works them here on earth for the eternity. You learn about humility here. Heaven 
is a beautiful place for humility. But in heaven at one stage, there was a beautiful angel named Lucifer. He was perfect in everything. There was no flaw of anything when you look at him. But a heart of pride came. And he led the rebellion against God. Where did the pride come in Bagreste? Humility issue. He had to humble himself to God. Humility Bagreste is a very difficult thing. And it's things that need, you know, when, when somebody talks about that I have been like the Apostle Paul. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When you are able, you can stand and say those words. It's in Kamulom, but in your action. But Rasta, we are very good in saying some of the things. I am crucified with Christ. But at the same time, when a situation comes, we say, Avangit. <laughs> I, I will come out. You have not been crucified with Christ. You are still you. You need that humility. As long as there are words like that coming out of your mouth and say they do not know me. I will show them. Yeah. <laughs> Humility would not stand out like that. This is a created being having everything. But what did he do? Out of the scene of pride. You know, pride, it is something that many of us, almost all of us, there are certain areas where we are, where, where we, we, we dispense, we have our own pride. Eating. Even when we are seated in our own corners, we think of certain situation or, eh, I know. That's your pride. And it will bring to your downfall. Pride Bagreste, even in small little things, it brings dilo, diwe. Things that would be at the peak and somewhere, they fall because of pride. And pride brings in rebellion. And all other sins, they come from there. Pride is number one. If you go back to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, the whole issue there, it started by seeing themselves being proudful. Exactly how the deception is actually pride. The rebellion of Adam is actually pride. And it resulted into the many sins that we have. There is nothing but rest that is more destructive in this life than pride. Pride has no place in the kingdom of God. So Moses tells the people, 
God led you through these experiences because the quality of humility that he needed to work you out into your character had to come in. Then we read in verse 3, allowed you to hunger. How much is that? Purposely so. You know, if they say that, somebody says, you know, like it, it, it is being said here. When I read it through, it was not really fitting. And I'm honest because of the human mind that I have. It was not fitting to the concept of God that I have. You understand? The concept of God that I have is that he will supply all my needs according to his richness in glory. Now, here he is now. <laughs> you, you, you understand? When, when you know these things and you, you, you try to put them together, and, and there is no contradiction. It is the human mind if you do not understand how God works out things. The human mind would, would even uh, sort of put certain verses into a certain bracket. You know, without even understanding the context of the whole thing. And go around and say, I can do all things through Christ. It's good you can do all things through Christ. But where does it come from? The Apostle Paul, when he was saying that, what was he saying? What was the situation of that? What was he going through? And he lists all these things that he was going through. And say, in the list of all these things, I saw Christ going with me. Whether I am poor, I can do it with Christ who strengthens Whether I have, I can do it with him. Whether he lists all of them. But sometimes I don't know the list and I just go around, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Know the list, know what the Bible is saying. So that every circumstances and situation that you find yourself, you are able to apply the word of God correctly. It gives you a better perspective of God and how God operates. Now, Bakreste, this thing of saying that God, that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He led them to feel the need for God in that place. The need for God to help them. Now, Bagreste, certain experiences, if you don't have, if you don't go through them, you don't feel the dependency of God. Now, he had to teach them to depend on him. And how did he teach them? He closed all the taps of provision and they cried over to him 
and he supplied them with manna on daily basis. And, and each day when they go and sleep, God said, you don't even have to pick for tomorrow. So they had to depend wholeheartedly that tomorrow he will supply. Do you depend in God in that manner? Now he wanted to teach them that they need to depend on God, not on their own efforts. Sometimes when certain things become difficult for us, Razamaru Panda. Now God says here, you have to depend wholeheartedly on him. You know, at one stage, I believed that spiritual maturity, it is when I can stand strong and quote certain verses and say, John chapter 1, verse 12, to those who received him, he granted them the authority to be called the, the children of God. And I realized that spiritual maturity, over and above knowing the verses, it is how much do you depend on God? I can know and quote the verses, but not really meaning what I am quoting. How much do I depend on these scriptures that I am saying? We need to depend on God, Christ. That is why we have a prayer. Even if you have everything, there is a prayer that you need to, to say each day. How Sarapeli, each day of your life, is also among other things. Either agree a long prayer or anything, just to wake up. Be prepared. Joseph had to be prepared. Yes, Jesus went into the cross for us. You know, what is the difference between maybe the old and the new when it comes to that? Runa, we have somebody that we can look up to. Who is Christ? Who goes with us into those circumstances? Does not mean that we will not go through the circumstances. We go through, but Jesus is with us. Now listen to what the apostle is saying here. I'm closing. I think I'm, 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 I'm far behind. Mpo, you, you have taught me last week, but I, I'm, 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 I'm going to catch up with it now. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17. I'm not going to uh, explain a lot of things here. And 2 Corinthians. It says here, for our afflictions, our challenges. We go through afflictions. You know, the Bible talks about afflictions. But if one has to be, a, a, they would say, politically correctness, 
It is challenges. You say, no, let's not talk about the afflictions. You know, let's talk about the challenges. It, it sounds a little bit better. And, uh, but, but the Bible talks about the afflictions. So we cannot run away from afflictions. And this is the Apostle Paul. Who wrote the epistles the, as we read them. He says, for our afflictions, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more, a far more, and a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. These things as they happen, they give you a, a weightier glory for you in eternity. You carry a weightier glory for that. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat. Now that, that's Apostle Paul of Christ. That each one, each one may receive the things done in the body. The body, it is what we are. According to what he has done. Whether good or bad. Now, verse 41, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, As one star, eh, I would say for a moment, as one star differs, now it is us after we have gone through the judgment, now all of us, we would qualify. Uh, you are not going to as long as you have accepted Christ it is your Lord and Savior we all go to heaven but there are crowns and other things that are going to differ there now it says as one star differs and it says from another star in glory so also is the resurrection of the body now as we are, as we will have resurrected, the glory, the weighty glory that we will carry, it will not, the degree of glory that you will carry will be different from the other glory that other people are carrying. On how we carried ourselves when we were alive. Now there is a lot at stake. James says, he compares this life with vapor. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 8.29, it talks about us being conformed to the image of the Son. But Greste, we go through this to be conformed into the image of the Son. And these things, in closing, if they are not biblical, this I am serious. If these things that I'm saying are not biblical, please reject them with content. Reject them. Reject them. But if they are biblical, live up to that standard of these things. It is up to you. And the Berean church after they have received the things like this, they go and study and check whether these things are true. If the things that we say are not biblical, honestly do that. Reject them. 
But if they are, make sure that you live by them and you will see the difference that will come into your life. Let's stand on our feet. No words can express how grateful we are by the teaching of your word. To remind us of the truth of your word. It is not that we did not know. These things are not new to us, Jehovah. But you felt it necessary that we should be reminded. The same way as Moses reminded the children of Israel how God led them. It is the same way, Mujimwarona, that we should recognize your leading in our lives. We should recognize that our lives is a spiritual journey that needs God to be there. We should recognize, Mujimwarona, that you are overseeing this journey that we are in. We're not traveling it ourselves. And there are always valuable lessons that we should not forget. Make us God to remember these lessons. They are good for us, Mudimwaruna, because they do manifest into our lives. Our lives for yesterday as we have said, Mudimwarona, it is determined or it determines the life for today and for tomorrow. Help us, God, to remember that we always need to depend on you. There are times when we go through some afflictions, we question you as God and we question the concept of God that we know that we have been taught help us Mudimwaruna, to align the truth of the word with who you are as our God Mudimwaruna, help us not to separate you as God from your weight your word, it is with, it's you. Your word, it is the sword of the spirit. Your word, we use it to fight the enemy with it. Help us, God, to be able to use your word in all circumstances. We pray, Mudimwarona, for the character of humility. If we not humble Mudimwaruna pride will get into our lives and where there is pride there is rebellion and there is all kinds of sin that comes with it help us Mudimwaruna that the sin of pride that made Lucifer 
to be chased away from heaven should not come on us. We should listen to you, Mudimwaruna. We should hear as you speak to us. And we should do according to your weight. As we go home and ponder and read your word for more illumination, for more advancement of our spiritual life, we say the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on all our social media platforms and stay plugged in. CACC, building a servanthood community where no one stands alone.